This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by EasyRollerDice.com, your source for dice and dice accessories. Listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and our wonderful patrons over at Patreon.com slash The Tome Show. Welcome to The Tome Book Club for May 2018. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book this time around is The Gollum and the Genie by Helene Wecker. Next month, we'll be reading the book Children of Blood and Bone by Tomei Adeyemi. I think I pronounced close. We're set to finish it at the end of July. And with us, as always, Eric, welcome, sir. Hello, how are you guys doing? We are, well, I don't know about we, I am tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am tired and possibly a bit punch drunk. It is testing week in my school, and I'm, I'm, it's exhausting. I'm a little tired because my toddler keeps wanting to go on the bus and to the park. <laughs> Lovely. So before we talk about the Gollum and the Genie, uh, let's mention our sponsor, EasyRollerDice.com is a dice and accessory store that makes some great products at great quality. In other episodes, we talked about their dice trays, their metal dice, but this time we want to tell you about their dice bags. They have a dice bag that sits square and open, is reversible, and you can get either the skull or the dragon emblazoned upon it. These bags run about $15, which is a good price for a high-quality dice bag. If you head over and get that or anything else, be sure to let them know the Tome Show sent you. Oh my, I have to tell you about the great dice I just got. Plated gunmetal dice that will never chip and feel awesome in my hand and come in a sweet case and they're solid and they're heavy and they're awesome and they roll crits and max damage whenever I really need it. Results may not be the same for all gamers. And I store them in this incredible wyvern pattern reversible microfiber dice bag that holds about 5,000 sets of dice while making every single person at the table totally jealous. Number of dice held might be slightly lower for most users, but everyone will be jealous. And the dice tray. Let me tell you about the incredible dice tray. It has a leather cover and a lid and it's lined in felt and has this astounding like foil design of a tentacled creature that's going to reach right out and, and, and devour everybody. And it has the staging area on the inside so all of the other dice can watch and see what happens when, when the dice that I'm rolling mess up. And then when I roll on this thing, the GM usually just completely gives up. Your GM... Well, no. This one holds up. Where did you get all this stuff? EasyRollerDice.com has all of this and more. Check them out today. And when you buy something, let them know that the Tome Show sent you. So, now, on to the book for this month, The Gollum and the Genie. I keep wanting to say Ginny, but it, it's Genie. <laughs> so, they, they spell it J-I-N-N-I, which is not a way that I've ever seen Genie spelled before. Um... But, of course, I, I listen to the audiobook, as I almost always do um, these days, and it's pronounced genie throughout. So, well, I've seen it several times before spelled out as J-I-N-N-I. So, to okay. me, when you... I mean, it makes sense in terms of my, my knowledge of genies, which is primarily through D&D, &D, and one of the primary types is the djinn, right? So, yeah. um, th I imagine that's all derived from there. 
So, uh, the Golem and the Genie. Let's start with Tracy, because you didn't talk about the crazy spelling of Genie. Not the crazy spelling of Genie. The spelling of Genie. Uh, so, what is the Golem and the Genie all about, Tracy? All right. The TLDR is the meaning of life. But... <laughs> <laughs> that may be a little broad. <laughs> let's, let's narrow the scope a bit. <laughs> So as one might guess from the title, there it's the story about a golem and a genie and their lives primarily in New York City in, the, I would say, the early 1900s. It was a little hard to tell exactly. Yeah. Oh, I thought I, 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 had it, I had it pegged as late 1800s, but, but I could be off. Yeah, so I would say somewhere between 1890 and probably 1910, yeah. 1915. Kind of turn Definitely of the century. Few, yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely pre-World War One. Yes. Uh, yeah. And at a time when I think a lot of the Middle East was incredibly exotic, but we were starting to get a lot more, uh, like, you could get pictures finally of it, people traveling a lot more on steamerships and stuff like that. Well, more exotic to us Western colonials, sure. right? Well, and there's a lot <laughs> of that book, right? So, like... So the Gollum starts off, quote-unquote, life mm-hmm. in Europe, gets awoken on a ship. Is it okay to talk about this right now? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the person that she was made for, which is uh, some guy who had more money than sense, uh, he dies on the ship over. So she is masterless after being awoken. Mm-hmm. And the genie comes over... Uh, had been trapped in a copper container that had been used for olive oil. A flask. And a flask, yeah. yeah. Uh, brought up over from, I believe it was Syria, mm-hmm. and gets released into New York City. <laughs> well, and, uh, and, and it's not, and it's not like he's it's he's released into New York City and suddenly there's a crazy genie running around. Like he's he's released by the the metal smith or whatever. Uh, the tinsmith. Yeah, the tinsmith who was working on the flask and, and fixing it up and cleaning it up. And, of course, you know, rub, rub, rub. Hey, look, a genie pops out uh, sort of thing. And and he he sort of adopts the genie, right? Um, and yeah. The genie lives with him and works with him in the, in the smithy and, and you know, uh, right. takes care of him. Because this guy is also a Syrian um, immigrant uh, and and recognizes the genie for what he is. Uh, and also recognizes, like, hey, this is not a thing that is going to be very well accepted here. Uh, let me help acclimate you. Right. So there's a lot about the old world meeting the new world of New York City, and that is a common theme through uh, the book as well, in addition to what is the meaning of life. And the reason why what is the meaning of life comes up is because you have a golem who is created out of clay mm-hmm. um, by a human. And so there's a lot of questions like, do you call the golem alive? Like, does she clearly has the ability to think, and she has empathy and all these other things, but she wasn't, you know, there's not necessarily a soul there. Yeah, and she has independence because her master died shortly right. after she was she yeah. was awakened, well, right? And so she has no master. Yeah. But also, she was not the classical Jewish golem that was usually created. There was, she was 
initially created like that, but there was other features that was added to her yeah. to make her more independent because uh, her husband, Otto Rodfield, wanted these features of intelligence, curiosities. Well, and, and you say yeah. husband, but really the husband was a story. It was kind of a cover story. Like, that was her intent. Like, she was created to be his bride, but there was, like, she woke up and then he almost immediately collapsed of appendicitis and, and got rushed to the, the ship doctor and it was too late and he died. Right? right. So, th- so I, I don't even know that I would even call, like, she was intended to be the, his bride. She claimed to have been his wife. Uh, but I don't know that I would ever say that he that was the case, right? Because she barely knew him. Yeah, right. so she didn't really know him officially. She was, but really, personality-wise, they, they never. They were right, and never bi- quote unquote biblically knew him. So right. uh, it gets all kind of weird, particularly for that time period. But I, I think one of the things. So I guess one of the things I would say first is that it takes a long time for this to me. It took a long time for the story to unfold, and I loved, mm. I loved it. It wasn't necessarily a negative, mm-hmm. um, but to jump ahead to near the closer to the end of the book, it turns out that one of the reasons why we could have a golem that was like her is because the uh, person that created her is a wizard from like over a thousand years ago who's mm. been constantly reborn because he's connected to the genie. Right. So the wizard that trapped the genie is the same wizard that created the golem, only reincarnated through several generations. Right. Yes. Uh, so there's more going on than just even uh, Jewish mysticism. Right. Because uh, I don't believe the uh, original wizard that we meet was Jewish. I mean, I, I presume I would presume that he was you know, Persian or, or whatever. He was right. the, the original one. Uh, Schlamann was a Jewish was described as a Jewish Kabbalist. Oh, okay. Okay. Kabbalistic arts. Okay. I miss I missed that part, but but yeah. So it's kind of a, an interesting thing. But somebody who is very powerful because he trapped a genie. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's kind of like above and beyond the. the well, yeah. He he trapped the genie. And trapped the genie with the and can you, you kind of get these flashbacks of the genie's life, like in in a way that you don't get for the golem because the book starts with and here's where the golem's life started, right? Um, so you don't need the flashbacks for her because you've experienced everything she's experienced. Um, but you get these flashbacks of the genie's life, and that's where you eventually slowly figure this out that um, like he he was trying to make sure that like he was going to bind this genie and with this genie he was going to make himself the super important and super powerful and it was going to work really well and it was going to be great uh, but to make sure that the genie would always be subservient is uh, they they t- he tied his soul to the genie for as long as the genie may live and then the genie's flask got lost and the genie doesn't age while he's in the flask and so um, the wizard accidentally bas- gave himself immortality through reincarnation but didn't even realize it because his soul just kept coming back because it couldn't pass on as long as the, the genie was alive. And that's why the reincarnation happened and it was always sort of a similar personality and with similar goals but didn't realize what was going on until like towards the end of the book where, where the wizard himself sort of has these, these revelations and realizes who he is and what's going on. So, And, and yeah, you're right. The, like the, the wizard like... 
pops up at the beginning to create the golem and then disappears from the story for like what, half of it or so and then pops back in again. Yeah. Right. And most of the story is involves um, seeing the golem and the genie, so Chava and Ahmad, mm-hmm. basically have, getting normal mundane lives or trying to in New York City and meeting themselves, making friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and they, I mean, most of the book... I mean, that first half or so, they don't even really interact with each other. Like, they're running around a similar sort of circles in New York, although she tends to, to stick to the Jewish part of town, you know, uh, and, and he tends to stick to, you know, the little Syria sort of part of town. Uh, and But they, you know, the two intermingle on occasion, but they're, yeah. running, but they're running through completely different sort of stories and then happen to bump into each other later on. And I think that's something that's kind of important to, to point out is because, I mean, we know with New York City there's been, like, Little Italy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Brooklyn had a very big uh, J- Jewish area. Mm-hmm. But even thinking about in this time period, there's Little Syria existing. Um, is kind of an important thing because I think it's kind of gotten lost that that, that, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. That we have a... Um, a, a- that there was a large enough Syrian population that that for several neighborhoods or whatever, they were the the dominant ethnic group. Right, and it does kind of get down to the. I mean, I grew up mostly in the eighties as a kid. By that point, like melting pot, we had already kind of, you know, my parent, my family is Irish, Slavic, German, mm-hmm. plus uh, long term New York folks. Sure. So. A lot of that mixing had already happened, but this is like at the early part where people were still kind of keeping to themselves mm-hmm. and and had these unique communities within the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And and the whole so the whole book to me is interesting in that um, it it's basically like there is a genre, there is a style of storytelling that involves like people are kind of just trying to go about their lives and achieve their personal goals and do normal sort of mundane things. And through a series of coincidences, this sort of weird story plays out. And, and all the things that you that shouldn't have anything to do with each other end up having everything to do with each other, right? And everybody's connected. Uh, whether it's um, the, the friend from the bakery who gets pregnant, whether it's the... the uh, mentally disturbed uh, ice cream salesman on the street, uh, the wizard, right? Everything, uh, the the woman that um, that the genie was with that was engaged and got married later and then like disappeared and then came back again. Like all of this was just sort of weird things that happened throughout the story. And then at the end, it sort of all comes together into a nice neat bow and it all has something to do with each other and they all play a role. Right. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of, a lot of like, Victorian novels like you know Jane Austen or the Brontes and that kind of stuff uh, only you know telling a story from a perspective that's very different because it's focused on on Jewish and and Middle Eastern culture as opposed to you know English people in the countryside English aristocrats in the countryside right uh, and it's in New York obviously and then of course the main characters are a golem and a genie so, so it has that style of storytelling to me uh, and that sort of flow. 
So I felt like I was reading something that was like classic Victorian literature, but way more interesting because uh, it was all these perspectives that we're not used to hear, hearing and seeing, plus the little bit of mysticism, which which appeals to the, to the fantasy side of me, right? Yeah, and it kind of also in some ways reminded me of Frankenstein in terms of we see a lot more from uh, the Gollum's point of view. Mm. So I guess that was one of the things that got to me too about the book was if he wasn't such an awful person, <laughs> you could easily see this movie about the story of the wizard. Cause really, even right. though we have no idea at the beginning, because everything ties back to him. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, he, no, the wizard ends up like, it, it even occurred to me reading the book that like, man, this guy, like, so, so Mr. Creeporid guy who wanted a clay bride uh, shows up at this wizard's office in like what the the prologue almost or chapter one. And is like, hey, I want you to do this really crazy, impossible thing. And the wizard's like, yeah, no, that's crazy and impossible. But, you know, if you bring me enough money, I'll give it a shot, you know. (laughs) And he's like, I don't have that much money. And then a few days later, he shows up with that much money. We don't know how he got it. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how the wizard pulled off the horrible, the the crazy, impossible thing. And then you never hear anything from the wizard again. And it's like, well, that was weird. I guess you needed some sort of catalyst to get the story going. Uh, And and for that, you needed the wizard to make the golem. So I guess it's just a thing that happened and no big deal. And then the wizard comes back and it's like, oh, now it sort of starts to make sense. I even like the bit, uh, and this is jumping way to the end, uh, I like the bit where the wizard almost at least pretended to to be interested in redemption because he made the offer to, to the golem and, and said, you know, hey, um, here's what we'll do. You're, we're going to tie you to serving me forever. And I will continue to be reincarnated because the genie will be inside the flask and and not aging. I will continue to constantly reincarnate and just live forever and be immortal. But the difference is you'll be bound to me and you will be able to tell my future reincarnated selves who I am. Give me, give me the, the, you know, the new me, the backstory. But, you know, you can, and he totally fesses up. Like you can totally guide me and try to make me a better person. Go for it. That sounds great because I still get to live forever. Um, you know, which is almost this little glimmer of, oh, hey, he's open to not being a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> so, there's something. <laughs> anyway, I've rambled. What do you, I'll let you guys talk. <laughs> but, you know, I, one thing I liked about the whole thing is all the little short stories, all the songs about taking, said, a, a golem and genie, which are classical monsters, but just humanizing them, basically making them, trying to do mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. Making, relationship, making friends and all that. Mm-hmm. Relationships, those were little fun little things, going out dancing. Those were the, the stuff I enjoyed in, in the book. Of course, in a, in a classic sort of Victorian style, uh, simple things like going dancing turns into hey, and then there's a twist, and it completely changes the story yes. through a, through a series of coincidences, right? Yes. Uh, but but you're right. Like there's all a lot of like there's a lot of like exploration of you're a golem. You don't need to sleep. You can't be hurt. You're super strong, right? Your 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 endurance is is unending. Um, 
what do you do with your time? Like when the rest of the world goes to sleep, what are you going to do? And how are you going to maintain this sort of illusion that you're that you're still human, even though you you literally never sleep? You know the 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 um, exploration that or the the time that she discovered that she could eat. Uh, right. I, I thought it's it's those little things like you're a golem in this situation. How do you sort of deal with these mundanities when you're totally not mundane? Yeah, and then and then she had the additional difficulty too, where because she her master died and thus she was masterless. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't actually masterless. It was just that she could hear everyone's thoughts, basically, mm-hmm. or at least desires, and that and how difficult that was for her mm-hmm. yeah, yeah was and, and so i mean she's she kind of was masterless and kind of like you said like the magic kind of just saw every the world as her master but not really because she could resist that like she could tell hey this yeah. person wants this thing and she could like her instinct was go give them that thing or go do that thing for them right but she could fight back against it it was just hard for her yeah, and and it was interesting too because there are definitely ways, and it, I wonder if there'll be like a follow up. There are ways in which she is different from the typical golem, uh, in terms of. So there was the story at the beginning where the rabbi created the the small golem, mm-hmm. and this, as soon as uh, he had it hurt something, in this case a spider. And this this just, is a character we haven't introduced yet. This is the the old rabbi in New York that that found her shortly after she, after she got off the boat, recognized her for what she was, and sort of took her in and helped her get acclimated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was told. Uh, you know, basically, once golems hurt something, that's it. Like they just totally lose control. But mm. there are multiple key times during her story where she does end up hurting someone. So, for instance, Anna, the the woman that gets pregnant, mm. uh, there her uh, former lover, like they have uh, a domestic violence situation, and the golem steps in and nearly kills him, but she's able to continue after that and mm-hmm. just stuff like that, which I found very uh, interesting and cool, but I kind of want to know how did that happen? Like mm-hmm. what was, what, what happened? Like, is it something just that, uh, and I keep forgetting his name, but the, the wizard guy, uh, well, his and, magic and, he, and he goes through several names, but yes. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem is like, after a while I was just like, I, I'm not going to remember any one particular name because he has several. Well, <laughs> e- even within his, the one life that we mostly followed through this story, he started with a Jewish name in Dunkirk, I think is where the story starts. Uh, and but when he comes through, uh, Ellis Island, they're like, Oh, we, we need to give you a more American name. I think then he was Joseph something, but, but yeah. the, but the narrator never really called him Joseph and he didn't think of himself as Joseph, but other people knew him as Joseph. So. Yeah. Yeah. His Jewish name was Yudada Schlamann. And when he came to America, he was Joseph Shaw. Yes. So, so, oh yeah. Uh, well, and and the story does that too. Like, um, yeah. you, you know, we mentioned that the the golem and the genie have names. The wizard has a name, but like, the story when it's being narrated, and, and when it's the the golem's thoughts, like she refers to herself or the narrator refers to her as the golem, right? And yeah. the genie is referred to as the genie. Uh, they're not. They don't. 
in that narration does not consider them as by their names. No, but when they when she changes the view from another character that and refers to them and looks at them, they refer to, those people refer to them by their mm-hmm. name mm-hmm. that they give it. Oh yeah, I just want to apologize in terms of like in my mind after a while I was just I am going to give them similar names to the golem, the genie, like there's the rich girl. <laughs> Like yeah. they're kind of our archetypes to me to yeah. some degree. Sure. Yeah, and, and uh, I think one of my favorite because, and I was gonna say my favorite bit character. Although other than the Golem and the Genie, they're kind of all bit characters, and none of them are because that's how these like stories of coincidences play out, right? Um, but I, I, I really ended up liking the story of the ice cream guy. Um, uh, Sala. Yeah, ice cream Sala, who was uh, who was a doctor, a Syrian doctor. Um, something happened. His his wife and was it daughter were killed. Um, comes to America. Uh, can't look anybody in the face because if he does, like he sees weird things. There's something missing in them. Whatever. Uh, and so he just sort of wanders the streets with a with a churn and makes ice cream and sells it to kids and and is just sort of scraping by that way, right? Yeah. And, well, he he's possessed by right. Well, that and that's what that's what what, what it comes to is is right. Sorry. That, that it, it turns out the reason he has this mental issue, this block, is because he's been sort of almost – the wizard describes it as kind of a light possession. You know, <laughs> There's just sort of – he's still himself but there's this, this sort of entity in you know somewhere in, a, in his head that's possessed him and has touched him in this way and is causing this thing. And the wizard trying to get information out of him actually helps him by ending the possession. That's actually one of the points that um, – Michael, the rabbi's son, and at one point the golem's wife, and that was his name, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. So Michael makes the point to to the wizard at one point because he was posing as this friendly, nice man in this in this uh, basically a halfway house for immigrants, for Jewish immigrants that Michael runs. Um, uh, he, he points out to him, like, you know, you may be a horrible, horrible person, but that's not your legacy here. Like, look back. You've legitimately been helping people. Uh, and that's sort of what happened with Ice Cream Sala here too, right? Uh, is that the wizard didn't try to – wasn't trying to help him with this whole possession thing. But ultimately ends up like completely changing his life because he just wanted some information and getting rid of the, po- the possession was the best way for him to get it. Right. So there's that there's these interesting themes, right? You talk about you know the meaning of life. What does it mean to be alive or not alive? Uh, the genie's story is largely a question about freedom, uh, because he's kind of never free. He's used to being able to do what he wants uh, and and go where he wants and whatever. And now he's got this magical cuff. He can't change forms anymore. He's he's constantly being told he has to blend in, uh, all of that. And then there's this story of. Um, doing good even though you're bad right and and are you good or bad and and how does that play out yeah because it's not just with the wizard the genie also kind of deals with that a little bit it's not necessarily uh like he kind of i think just doesn't believe in good and bad in the same way Mm. um you know but he does have to concern himself with the 
ramifications of his actions. So he tends to be a little more cavalier for most of the book, mm-hmm. whereas the Gollum says, oh, there's like ramifications, so I have to be incredibly careful and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like that juxtaposition for most of the book, and then near the end, particularly the genie realizes that there are ramifications and there are people he cares about, and he does have to consider slightly more mm-hmm. <laughs> what he does. Well, and I don't know how much, like, like I don't, I don't know that early version of him still would have even cared about those ramifications because his freedom to was more important to him than the ramifications, I, I, I think, was more of the thing, right? Like, I, I am this great and powerful genie. I've always been able to do what I want, so so screw you for telling me I can't, you know? Um, right. But, and, and, and I think it's, like, I think... He recognized that there may be consequences and just didn't care about what the consequences might be. Um, and, and maybe that's – we're saying the same thing. Uh, by the end, yeah. I, I almost feel like it's it's more of her, the Gollum, that so, didn't change him. But like they found that they liked each other, that there's a relationship there that eventually develops into a thing, right? Um, yeah. That, that that's – it's the power of love, right? Love changed him. It changed the very nature of a genie. Right. Yeah, because it was um, both her and then Matthew a little bit, too. Yeah. Because originally, um, the kid was starting to look up to him as a father figure Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, He kind of blows it because the the kid finds out his secret at some point, and then his mother dies. uh, And he wants the genie to bring her back, and and the genie is like, being honest but doesn't think about what being honest means <laughs> right. to the kid and says if i bring your mother back she will basically be a, like a spirit that wanders the earth and screams all the time or something like that right. and the kid takes it the wrong way and com- and complains about it to the woman that is taking care of him at the moment uh and they basically start shunning the genie at the side to sh- kind of shun the genie at that point mm-hmm. but uh, they end up later. He ta- he's the one. The genie's the one that takes Matthew back to Syria, right? No, uh, I believe it was. Yeah, Syria. no, yeah, I think I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah I couldn't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, um, and and to bring it back to, uh, I think maternal grandmother, um, and takes him over the ocean, even though, and we haven't brought this up yet. Genie is made of fire, and yes. it has a spark of fire in them. So water is like death element and he right. even at one point tries to end his existence by going into the fountain but yeah so he is now on a ship in the ocean and there's basically storms the entire time right and, <laughs> bringing and, a child and that, back to the grandmother that reminds me of, of of one of those great points like uh that eric talked about right the 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 you've got this clearly like fantastic thing in this weird sort of new york victorian story uh, and dealing with the mundanities of being fantastic, right? Uh, and and it's those when they start going on walks, right? When they first start sort of getting to know each other, she doesn't quite trust him because she's being super careful uh, and whatever. So in the middle of the night, instead of staying staying up all night sewing and whatever she was doing, he convinces her once a week to go on a walk with him, and she's gonna she, he's gonna show her the city. Uh, and at one point, it becomes a thing. Like early on in that in those that process it becomes a thing and she's like you know here's the deal we can keep doing this but you have to get a hat (laughs) right you you need a hat you need an umbrella you need a thing because this whole like 
scared of the, the any drop of water that jumps out of the out of the the air uh we got to have some sort of solution to that right <laughs> and it's just yeah and, and then and then you know you start to see him him break a little bit because in the next time he he meets her he's wearing a hat right it's a thing yeah yeah totally but yeah no it's it's nice just seeing those little details cracks in and both characters basically change over time mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a change to characters, uh, which is refreshing to me, and then just makes me think of a lot of conversations I've had in the past with some authors who are like, well, if somebody's been around for so long, they would never change type of uh, conversations. And I just, I love the fact that it did happen here. Right. And and I I mean, I'm not a big fan of that kind of response from an author anyway, and, and I know some authors that have had that, that attitude and that we've talked to. Um but like, if a character is not changing, then what's the story? You know, I mean, like, yeah. characters changing is is kind of the part of the point of why we enjoy stories and why we why we read them, right? We want to see how people develop and how how we are not stuck being who we are and we can be better than than we are. So. Yeah. Anyway, yes, it, it is nice. Now, now, oftentimes. Um, that change comes off contrived, like like the idea of we've got the really stodgy uh, golem and the really carefree genie, and then in the end they both sort of change each other to be a little bit more like each other. Um, that's a little contrived, right, and a little obvious and on the nose. But it's also like perfect for the kind of story this is. Like once I got it in my head that this reminds me a lot of reading Jane Eyre, but from a completely different perspective and with magic. Right. Right. Uh, once I got that through my head, I'm like, oh, that's the kind of story this is, and like I can sort of accept everything else, like all the coincidences, all the like. Really, would that would those things really do they all? Does everything have to tie up into a nice, nice, neat bow, whatever? Does everything have to be connected to each other? Once I figured out, once I decided that it was that kind of a story, I'm like, okay, now I can roll with all of that because that's sort of the norm for that type of story. So, right, and then I guess kind of connect it to the Victorian stuff, um, but also something we were just talking about. The exploration of good versus evil, I thought was really mm. good in this, or at least different than... So a lot of books that I I tend to read, it's like very clear that there's good and then there's evil, and you're either good or you're evil. Like, you're one or the other. There's a binary going on. And in this book, I feel like there's definitely not a binary because if you took a step back and decided, I mean, the book aims to make us care about the Gollum and the genie. But if you did take a step back and look at what happens in the course of the story to the characters around them, I'm not sure you could say, like, they are definitely good characters because of the amount of death Mm. and destruction that kind of happened in their wake. Mm -hmm. So Ice Cream, and I know we said spoilers be done, Ice cream solid dies. Uh, Larry, the the lover, uh, is in the serious straits in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Michael dies, although it's not necessarily because of the Gollum and the genie. Uh, but the, like, just the old thing. rabbi dies. The old rabbi dies, and that's just and that was just nature, <laughs> I right. think. Um, but there's a lot of 
stuff that, you know, we might not be as, we might not call it good. We're definitely, they're not, I don't consider them necessarily evil. They're just, hmm. they are what they are, they do what they do, and the ramifications of that. Well, and compared to the kind of books that we usually read for the Tome Show Book Club, you know, which is D&D focused and whatever, like, two people dying one of uh, three people dying one of natural causes and one in the hospital is really a pretty low body count for us so oh yeah no like like i don't want to give the impression that it's a violent story it's it's in the same way that that a victorian novel or even like a shakespeare story um there's a handful of really meaningful deaths uh, yes. and, and they have implications because let's be honest like most of us living life like we don't kill people or beat people and put them in the hospital. And if we did, and when we, if that kind of stuff happened to us, that would be a big deal to us, right? So, so it's certainly more realistic, which is a, a strange thing to say about a story about a, uh, a, a sentient clay statue. Yeah. And it being a and li- there, of living fire. And then there's one other character we haven't talked about yet, I don't think. Okay. Uh, so is it Sophia or Sophie? The rich girl? The rich girl? Yeah, I mean, we've sort of alluded to her. Yeah. The one that marries uh, the, the genie? Does she marry the genie? Uh, and she or, or yes. she, was, she, she, she was engaged to be married, but the genie met her, and she ended up getting pregnant by the genie. Yeah, so that I think that was all kind of an, an interesting thing. Yeah. So they they end up getting together, uh, and she has a spark of him within her that dies right. because water. So it my assumption oh. it never says directly that it's pregnancy. I mean, it's it it says it in terms of that uh, her her period is late and the spark she feels the spark go out. Well, and, and, and there's a pretty strong ending. Like when he shows up at her estate or whatever, her family's estate, or when he, she finds him and, and brings him back home uh, after he tries to kill himself in the fountain, um, there's this like conversation that she has with her parents or whatever um, about like you know it's time to finally use this as the excuse to let them know what's going on and why I'm not going to marry the guy I'm supposed to get married to. Right. Uh, which which certainly rang very heavily to me of, I'm going to tell them that I'm pregnant and this is the father, and that's why they need to stop being jerks. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it's, the, the, it's a, the assumption I had was that she ended up losing uh, the fetus because, like, made of fire and the womb is full of water mm. um, sort of thing. Uh, but I think kind of the interesting thing about it is that it changes her forever because once she had that spark within her, um, she was always cold without it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of like an, an interesting thing and, and also something in terms of talking about books for D&D crowds. Uh, while I would always be cautious of pregnancy within a game, it is an interesting thing to me in a, in a way that a character could change over time as a mm. result of this happening if that's what like player and dm want it yeah and i feel like that's the kind of thing that like i don't know that i would have that happen on camera in in my D game but it's the kind of stuff that might be an important background point to a uh to a character or whatever right 
Right. Like, that yeah. might be how I handle it because, like you said, uh, dealing with pregnancy in, in a D and D game can be tricky. Right. Yeah. And you could even have it as something that's already happened to your character, but it's mm-hmm. the reason why you always feel cold or something like that. Like it just if you wanted it as a quirk. Yeah. Or it, and it can also be done in a campaign if your campaign takes a break and you skip a while you want to make a change to your to, to a character like hmm. that, that could be an explanation in that and if if that's what is chosen to do mm-hmm. and then if there's a sequel i wonder if the golem can have the genie's kid yeah well i mean well one's earth and one's fire so. there's also like I suspect not. Like, I don't think the golem has, like, internal organs. Um, right. But, but, and that also means no water. And it was unclear to me if the, um, the child, like, the, the fetus inside of Anna, or not Anna, um, Sophia. Sophia yeah. was just purely the spark of energy that then gets born. Like, like, I just had lots of questions. About <laughs> I mean, it's magic, right? So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but but my my indicator on that was the the eating scene, right? That that she discovers she can eat by putting something in her mouth, chewing it up, swallowing it, and then was was pleasantly surprised to discover that it came out the other end. But when it came out the other end, it looked exactly like it did when she swallowed it. Like it just looked like sort of chewed up and then passed through. Nothing happened inside, and which led me to think, okay, there's no like there's no organs there. There's a tube, right. there's whatever. So, like, a marriage could be consummated, so to speak, um, because, you know, the requisite bits are there for that. But, like, a pregnancy, like, I don't know that there's a womb or whatever to even hold. But, you know, like you said, magic. So, who knows? Well, like, does, does a, a genie fetus need a womb? I don't know. These are interesting questions. <laughs> Correct. I mean, and would... Since she, since uh, by the end of the book, uh, the golem gets the uh, the wizard's spell book. Is, is that what there... happened? Is that how the spell book ended up? I know she talked about like I should keep the spell book and do something meaningful and positive with it, and I can help all these people. I can do all these yeah. things. I can feed the poor. I can do all this. Uh, and then there was like, yeah, but. We should probably just burn this thing because it's dangerous, you know? So I, I guess I'd lost the, the thread a little bit of what ended up happening to it at the end. Yeah, I'm not too sure if the book if the book maintained. I don't quite remember myself too, but if she still has a book and then maybe there's a spell to be able to create a small a, a golem and then the genie can put his spark in it and thus you have this Gollum genie. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, at the same time, though, I like. This is a lot of speculation about what if there was another book. Yeah. This doesn't feel like the kind of story that gets a sequel. Um, no. and, and maybe it's because it it feels like a story that mirrors this era from before the modern novel, right? This Victorian era of storytelling. And and there weren't really a lot of sequels. You know, Charles Dickens didn't write, uh, you know, A Christmas Carol 2 or anything like that, right? Um, 
there was no follow-up to see what happens afterwards. You got your epilogue, and that sort of is how it all ties up. So um, it's mostly just us speculating and having fun, which is what one does at a book club, right? Uh, yeah. About, I wonder what would happen next sort of thing. So. Well, Do not take this away from me. I will not take this away from you. <laughs> and we can speculate also for purposes of if you want someone wants to use these ideas for a D&D game, I uh-huh. think. Absolutely. And I think it's, that's an interesting conversation, and we've kind of alluded to it as, uh, at this point, but um, I think there's, there's some interesting things here in terms of if you're looking for bits of inspiration for a D&D game, right? Uh, there's, there's these larger themes that are interesting. Um, there's individual characters that are interesting. Um, I don't know that you're going to tell this kind of a story in a D&D game. This isn't really what D&D, the kind of story that D&D is meant to tell. Although, being a D&D person certainly, uh, sh- I don't know, sh- shaded, colored my, my perception of some of the mythology, right? Uh, dealing with the, the reincarnating wizard and the genie situation and all that. Um, uh, you know, I won't lie. Uh, when you tell me that there is a genie that is made out of fire, my first thought is, no, that's an Afrit. Jins are the air genies. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm able to get past that, you know? <laughs> so, oh, Yeah, this, this, this type of story would fit more to a game like Monster Hearts, where, okay. you, play, where you play teen, basically teen monsters in high school who are having all these sort of relationships. Mm. So... So that type of story, but for purposes of D and D, all the psychology, the way that the mm-hmm. monster thinking, the golem and the genie that you're they're exploring because you get to see how it goes, those can be applied. So if someone's either a GM wants to figure out, trying to think of how their monsters would work, they can inspire. Or if uh, also ideas of how maybe if a player wants to. Hey, I want to play a Gollum PC. Here's a possible way of way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Here's a way of doing that. And I think I think there's there's some legitimate like there are are bits of like the wizard story and the genie story as well that I think like the idea of the reincarnating wizard that's tied to the the soul of this genie that they entrapped the the idea of the the glass palace in the desert and and the lore and mythology behind this sort of genie culture that live out there in the desert where humanity hasn't quite tamed yet and they're still around but they're more or less in hiding and like all of that and and even applying that to to the lore of how you know genie culture works or whatever like all of that is rife with ideas and possibilities even uh, and and certainly you don't need to to read this book for that purpose but this book has reasons to read it on its own, and if you can get some inspiration while you're doing it, then I think that's that's a bonus, right? Definitely. Any um, other thoughts on on how this might be of interest to the D and D crowd, or be of ins- of inspiration to them, or any other things you want to talk about with the book? I have one other thing, but it doesn't have to do with the D and D crowd necessarily. Well, if that's all, if that's what we've got left, then let's talk about that. Okay, so. And I don't know how much to talk about it, but uh, one of the reasons why, and I think we can see through most of our conversations, like little details got lost. And I just wanted to point that out because I really enjoyed the book. But I think the one thing is it is uh, one of the longer books, at least um, from Audible. Mm-hmm. It was a 19 hour audiobook? Yeah. So, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's the longest. And mm-hmm. 
my husband loves uh, Wheel of Time series, and those are definitely longer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's also not a book that repeats a lot of the information. Like, sometimes it does, but little details often, like, get said once, and that that's it. Mm -hmm. Or, like, written once. Um, and so that's why I thought, like, it, it did become hard sometimes to keep incredible detail mm. clear about what happened. Now, so... Here's my my take on that is that I have read books where where that happens and because of that I like suddenly a thing doesn't make sense to me because I missed that one detail uh, and now it's coming back or it's becoming a thing or whatever right um, I, I didn't I don't know that I had that experience with this like I always felt like even if I missed a few details here and there I always felt like I, I was following the flow and I knew what was going on um, and and that. And I'm, I keep going back to the same comparison of, of the Victorian novel, right? That right. The, the more of those details you get, the more layered and complex and interesting the story gets. And the more, you know, interesting sort of analysis you can do. Um, right. But if I miss those details, it doesn't take away from my following the story. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, totally. And, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think part of the reason I brought it up is because, like, as we were talking, I could see some people being like, well, did you guys actually really read the book? Because you right. seem to be missing this detail and that detail. And I'm like, there's a lot of detail in this There's book. a lot of detail. Basically, uh, I read the book a few months ago, and then I re and before the book, I reread it again. And, like, I was rereading, like, I was remembering a few things, but I was still finding new things. And oh, yeah layers to it so it's a, it's a good book to reread and find out stuff mm. yeah yeah i look forward to the days when this is the stuff that that high school kids are being required to read in in their in their you know high school literature courses because this is a much yeah. more interesting uh than than you know jane austen it's I, a much more modern take on well it. and and the the sort of Western, non-Western perspective is interesting. Um, you know, anyway, I, I visited Jane Austen's house and in preparation once, and I, in preparation, I tried to, to read some of her books, and it didn't go well. So, so that's where my perspective is coming from. Like I've I've tried reading uh, several Victorian novels, and I've, I think I've only gotten through one or two. So. Yeah, and I think there's some interesting stuff there in terms of like the compare and contrast because a lot of the Jane Austen stuff is like talking about how difficult it is to be a woman in society. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, that's not the only thing in it, right. obviously. Um, whereas that same topic comes up in this book, um, but because she's a golem, it's sort of like, it's sort well, of a never, false fear, right? I'm never gonna fit in anyway, so mm. after a point, I'm just gonna be me, and that's it. And that's uh, and we didn't talk about it. That's one of the wonderful things about the end of the book is that she basically eventually finds her place, and mm. it's in uh, a boarding house that takes on a lot of actresses and other people who yeah. are also breaking out of the gender mold of the time. Uh, but they're always coming and going, and they don't care about someone staying up late and mm -hmm. all that other stuff, which is just wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's this, you know, you mentioned this sort of element of a woman finding her place in society, and there's certainly a lot of discussion of that. That's part of why she always just stayed in at night and sewed to pass the time when she wasn't sleeping, uh, and, and why it was such a big deal when the genie showed up and convinced her to go on a walk. And she's like, well, yeah, but it wouldn't be proper for a woman to be walking the streets of New York in the middle of the night. Um, and, and, you know, of course, we know, yeah, except... 
like anybody who comes after you, you're going to smack them down because you're actually a golem, and we know that, right? This is just this is her fitting the role that she thinks a woman in society should fit, even though it's not a necessary or meaningful role to her at all. And he he helps sort of break her out of that a little bit. But she also mentions that about the fact that if she hit someone a lot, she'll be found out, discovered of being mm-hmm. a golem, mm-hmm. not being uh, not being part of this human society now that so basically they were meanwhile uh, the genie is like going out in the middle of the night and breaking into the aquarium and stuff yeah and those the cops those the yeah the criminals yeah well and and i and i particularly love the line about how yeah he keeps like breaking into the into the aquarium and looking at the fish and doing whatever and the cops like are really annoyed by it but not because he's stealing anything just because they're tired of replacing the locks every night you know (laughs) (laughs) like he keeps breaking in but then they come in it's like oh no somebody broke into the aquarium everything's here they just looked at the fish (laughs) so all right should we wrap it up sure sure All right, then we're going to go ahead and call that the end of this episode. It is time to say goodbye. We want to thank all of you great folks who who help us pay the bills, like our sponsor, uh, EasyRollerDice.com, and everyone who supports us over at Patreon.com slash The Tome Show, as well as those of you who use the Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links that you can find over at TheTomeShow.com. All of those things help us pay the bills and help me send a little bit to share with all of the great contributors who who help uh, create content here at the Tome Show. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Yeah, actually, you you can't. I got a notification from Google that nobody used it for so long and nobody even logged in for so long that they took it away. Oh, no. The biz biz line is gone. The biz line is gone. Bye-bye, biz line. (laughs) Biz line is gone. Not that anybody will miss it because nobody was using it. That's why it was taken away. (laughs) Which is fun. Incredible sadness. <laughs> All right. But things that have not gone away, I they have not exactly disappeared from the internet. You can still find me at Twitter at Sarah Dark Magic or at SarahDarkMagic.com. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Squatch and at the Tome Show. And you can find Eric on Twitter at, at Eric Mpack. E-R-I-C-M-P-A-Q. Yes. Show notes and other great shows are at thetomeshow.com. All right. That is our thoughts on The Golem and the Genie. Next up, for June and July, we will be reading Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. Am I close? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. <laughs> Until then, keep turning the page, Tomites. I'm not a